all of these voices that we talk about, the addiction voice, the eating disorder voice, the should monster voice, these prophets and these threatening voices, they all fall under that umbrella of bully. They basically control us like good bullies do, which is, you know, you don't talk back to a bully. You hand your power over to a bully, just like you hand your lunch money over to a bully. That's what the fear is we need to be in recovery from. And it's such a big deal. One of the many definitions we could give for emotional sobriety not being controlled by fear. Bill Wilson, co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, wrote in 1952, if we examine every disturbance we have, great or small, we will find at the root some unhealthy dependence and its consequent demand. Wilson suggested that if we could identify and continually surrender these unrealistic and unrealizable demands, that we may then be able to accomplish what he imagined to be the recovery's next frontier, something he called emotional sobriety. Flash forward 70 years and join psychotherapists and best-selling authors Tom Rutledge and Dr. Alan Berger, who have taken up the mantle of exploring Bill Wilson's new frontier. Welcome to Emotional Sobriety. Welcome to Emotional Sobriety, the podcast as opposed to emotional sobriety, the lifestyle, maybe, I guess it's, it's, uh, I'm Tom Rutledge and uh, uh, I'm here with uh, producer Patrick Newman. Uh, I, I believe Alan Berger, Dr. Alan Berger is missing in action today. So far, in, unless he shows up somewhere along the line, you and I can carry this. Yeah, we, there might be a uh, Han Solo uh, swooping in at the last minute uh, as we're in the Death Star <laughs> trenches of uh, Alan Berger resurgence. But uh, I think it's going to be Tom and I for today. Um, how's it going? You hate to be cliche and talk about weather, but the weather the weather's been so so uh, uh, difficult and hot. Uh, it's we've had some break in that. We've had some rain, and have actually been able to walk around in the world outside and not not feel like I have to come back in and and immediately you know admit to being an old man and have to lie down and on the you know and put the fan on me. So it's like I'm I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling like myself again. So it's been good weather over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been nice. It's like it's it's rain. It's been, it's rained some, and and it's been it's been the you know you know the you know there's rain and there's a good kind of rain. It's just that steady rain that just it sounds good. It sounds nice. It's like it's like the kind of stuff you ought to sit on the porch and and listen to and watch. Mm. You know. Well, and, you know, uh, for me, there was a lightning storm that I found out from a guy at the grocery uh, afterwards lightning storm in Las Vegas that we could see from our front yard in Yucca Valley, California, um, that literally looked like uh, an evil sorcerer was, uh, you know, attacking oh. <laughs> the city because it was just uh, no thunder, no rain. Um, you know, I'm in a desert, but it was oh just God. this like uh, this strobe of like, it looked like hundreds of lightning bolts just like hitting and i've got it on video i've got to send it to some people. But, oh, uh, man. It's, well, now, is, how far how close are you to Vegas? Uh, I'm not good with, uh, with metrics, but like maybe like an hour, hour and a half drive. So, so the reason like this is one of those deals where you can see this is because it's so there's nothing obstructing your view. It's just that flat between yeah. where you are in Vegas. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. so, uh, so that was bizarre. And uh, yeah, as far as, uh, weather on my end, um, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in a place where I find myself like when I turn the faucet on, like mm -hmm. uh, looking at it worriedly because I, <laughs> I, I have a fear that uh, I'm not, I'm going to run out of water, that I won't have wow. uh, any place to go. Being out here, dying in a fire, running out of water. These are things that occur to me while living out here in the desert. You know, I always, I always say, you know, that the, the one of the things that I tell people all the time that it's okay to use other people's situations that are worse than ours to, to in, reinforce our own gratitude. People will feel guilty about doing that sometimes, you know, but I go like, no, you're not wishing anything. I don't wish that on you, but what it can do, what I can do is, is when I, when I go, if, you know, if I'm going to go take a, take a shower in a little bit, it's like, I can be grateful that I don't have to worry about that. You oh know? yeah lather up extra for me <laughs> it's, it's like, i'm a scavenger for gratitude you know it's like the more things i can you know the more, i just need to be reminded it's like it's been it's, it's so growing up in a growing up in a in a home and this is this is probably a good segue because you and i talked about uh, wanting to you you as you had mentioned that one subject that, that hadn't at least shown up i'm sure it's been here all along but it hadn't shown up in, in any of our titles is fear um 
And you and I appreciate that you you graciously also pointed out that that one uh, one of my uh, uh, better selling books is called Embracing Fear with Harper Collins, and uh, so you suggested we talk about that. And it's like it's you know that fear is at the base the base of all of this stuff, and you know definitely including all that negativity. And I you know I'm going to go back to what I was saying is I grew up um, I grew up in a family that. You know, if negativity were an Olympic event, you know, we we would we would be gold medalists. And of course, the punchline to that one is, and we wouldn't think it's good. You know, we would find that there's some there's some downside to, to that. It's It'd be like, like they they'd hand us the medal and then like whip us over the head with it or something. <laughs> we just go. I we would just see the downside. My you know my 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 mom would have been a great teacher about this. It's like yeah, with the pressure that's going to come with that, and you know the expectations that people are going to have now, and it's like you know it's it's so it's so, and we've all and I've been see I, I'm I'm sorry to say we've all known people like that. I've been that person where it's like it's actually it's actually pretty fascinating how quickly a, you can move to a positive. Uh, and as I was talking to a client just the other day that was, was doing this and I was pointing out to her how there was a success and it's almost like within one sentence, they've gone on to the next projected uh, uh, downside or, or, or negative. And it's like, and it's, and usually it is the projection because that's what fear does. Fear is the, the at least the, the unhealthy fear you know, uh, teaches us to look into the future about all the things uh, that might be go wrong. And very often that particular fear voice will tell you, uh, tell you, they, they won't speak to it like, well, it's possible that this go wrong. It'll say it probably will, you know? And so, so at any rate, the, the, you know, when I think about negativity, one of the one of the things I realized through my process is is that my own negativity, you know, was was I learned it from my family. It was passed along through probably generations of of of, of the way people think and communicate. But ultimately, it's a defense. Uh, it's a defense that we can track back to fear. It's mm. like, you know, if I can, if, you know, it, and you and I've kind of talked about this at one, I think at one point is the idea of we, we, the, if we keep our expectations so low, you know, you know, like lay, lay on, I always say lay, lie flat on the floor and you can, and say the sentence from here, I don't have very far to fall, you know, it's like, well, it's true, but you're, but you're not, you know, but at what cost? And so the idea is if you want to, when we want to get in, in, in emotional sobriety is the perfect context, I think, to talk about this, because if you want to get past that, 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 that negative, that negative voice in our heads, that part of us that is always holding us back with the, uh, you know, we, we, I sometimes refer to it as like the, the, the prophet, you know, that's always prophesying all these negative things that, that are likely to happen. And, and of course, another part of that is the, the negative voice that's always trying to, or that's just, just re reinforcing negative thoughts about ourselves all of all of that is you know i mean it, it, everybody's different but this is a generalization to to make the point all of that is basically if i'm that voice to you then what i'm trying to do is keep you from taking risks mm -hmm. okay so we can we can look at that and you can look at it from sometimes you can look at that and, and see it you can see it from one angle and go like well that's just mean and cruel well okay but you you know a lot of times you look in there that you can even find that positive intent it's like i'm you know i'm trying you know i'm not i'm not going to do this you know it's uh, i was you know that's a friend of mine before i wrote my first book you know he used to he he's the one pointed out to me he said he said tom you're hiding out in potential he says, he says, you're, you know, as long as you don't take the risk of actually writing the book, you're, you're always going to be potentially a, a great writer. He, he, he said, this, is a, good, this really... is a good friend who told you this. Yes. Yeah. It's like, like, and he, he said, he, he said, if you, he's the one, and I think about him at, at the beginning of every single project, it's like, he said, if you want to, if you want to write, if you want to write a great book or a good book, or he says, you're going to have to be willing to, to write a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like, of course, that, you know, my, I, I, I can still to this day feel my chest tighten when I remember hearing him say that, but, but absolutely have in, in, in integrated that into my life. It's like the idea, and it's not, it's not less scary. And see, this is one of the things I want to say about fear, and we'll connect it here to emotional sobriety, the fear is, is, is it's, we don't get rid of fear any more than we get rid of anything. We talk about this, Alan and I, and you, you talk about this all the time. It's like, like, 
you know, one of the big mistakes we make in personal growth is thinking, I need to stop thinking this way, or I need to, I need to, we'll use the term like with addiction or with the, the, the should monster in our head. Uh, I need to get rid of it. Uh, I need it to shut up. And, you know, and I'm not one who, who points to, to always to language and say, well, you, you know, you, you can't ever say you should, or you can't, you know, you, you know, we're going to use the language, we, but we have to understand what we mean by getting rid of it is changing our relationship to it so that fear, you know, uh, self-criticism, condemnation, whatever, whatever that voice is, is leading with does not control us. Healthy fear is, you know, it's part of motivation. If I'm, you know, if the bear's at the door, you know, you go out the back door. It's like, but, but more, more on the day-to-day thing. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm afraid because I have a project due and I'm not prepared, well, that healthy fear is going to say, is going to be there. That's going to be nudging me, pushing me, you know, uh, for me, sometimes shoving me saying, you need to get busy. You need to get this done. You need to do this. Or if I'm, I'm one of the things that I, I can say I have a healthy fear about is that keeps me going is, is basically uh, just keeping, keeping up with my day, my, my administrative kinds of work. And I'm not very good at that, but the idea, if I, if I didn't have the healthy fear that said, you know, it's not, you know, basically it's, it's a violation of my value system to, to, you know, to, to basically not, not, not fulfill responsibilities that are my responsibility. So it, that's helps. But, but the, but, but those aren't the fears that cause problems for us. The fears that cause problems for us are the ones that predict all these negative, horrible things with the embracing fear. What I do is I, 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 I use the metaphor of the healthy fear is our ally, the one that's going to help us to, to, you know, and, and ultimately the biggest fear that we have from the ally, from the part of us that's, that's, that's on our side is really the fear of, of not living according to our own value system, not being our best self. It's like, that's the healthiest fear I can think of is that, is that I'm not living up to my, my potential. And I don't mean perfection. I mean, just the idea of not being the best version of myself that I could be in this moment. That's, that's the health, that's the healthiest kind of fear, but the fear that the other fear, you know, I, that I began with that, with this book, embracing fear, I began to use just the idea of a bully because I realized that all of these voices that we talk about, the addiction voice, the eating disorder voice, the should monster voice, these prophets and these threatening voices, they all fall under that umbrella of bully. They basically control us like good bullies do, which is, you know, you don't talk back to a bully. You hand your power over to a bully, just like you hand your lunch money over to a bully. That's what the fear is we need to be in recovery from. And it's such a big deal. One of the many definitions we could give for emotional sobriety, not being controlled by fear. When you're working with somebody who um, has a crippling dose of fear, because mm-hmm. um, I always think about this, like, you can't, uh, at least initially, appeal to rationality necessarily to mm-hmm. to get them to say they're afraid of the sunlight, getting them mm-hmm. to walk, to, getting them to come outside and take a walk mm-hmm. in the park. Mm-hmm. You know, like how does one begin to coax somebody towards overcoming? I guess you could call it their bully <laughs> that's uh, telling them um, irrationally that uh, mm-hmm. you know you're going to get vaporized if you walk outside in the sunlight. Right. Well, I mean that's it's it's. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think the reason that's a, those kinds of things are good examples, because those are very tangible, like somebody who is agoraphobic, who is afraid of uh, uh, interesting. Your, your, your version of agoraphobia would be that, of course, you're living in the desert. Of course, you have the fear of being vaporized. <laughs> yeah. we, we might have to rethink that, Patrick. That might be one of the healthy fears. <laughs> it's like, we'll, it's like, no, Patrick, don't go outside. Yeah, it doesn't um, just happen to vampires anymore. <laughs> that's right. That's right. No. I mean, it's, it's, uh, and I, you know, what you, what, you know, a lot of people who have those, those kinds of fears, you know, a lot, a lot of that is, is sort of, uh, um, immersion therapy or exposure therapy where you, you know, you be, yeah, you don't just, you, what you, like you said, you don't just appeal to the rational by, because if you just jump in there and say, okay, but look, here's what the truth is. Then what, whether you intend it to be that or not, it just feels like a criticism. You know, it feels like, you know, because, I mean, we can always do that. We, and I mean, I've certainly done that in, in my marriage where it's like my, I realized thinking I'm, you know, what I'm saying uh, to my wife can be translated as if you would just think like I am telling you to think, yeah. you would no longer have that fear. It's like, well, 
okay, that might be the case, but it's like, that's not respectful of the, the process of that intra intrapersonal process that that person is going through. Because uh, if that was the case, all we would ever need to do is just find somebody who's, who's got a better perspective on it. You know, I can tell you what I'm afraid of and you could, you could pan back and say that, no, that's not true because of this. It's like, and it would be all over. The, so, so you have to, you, what you're suggesting is, is absolutely right. You go slower and, my way of thinking is what we try to do. The best therapy that I know is, you know, get in there and ask questions. I don't mind telling them what my perspective is. I just, I'm just not there to push my perspective on them because most people who have something like that, they actually, you know, they, they know that it's not literally true. You know, it's, it's like, if I, you know, I have eating disorder clients who perceive themselves who, who are restrictive eating disorder clients who perceive themselves as, as, as radically larger than they actually are. You know, it's like if, if you know, fa families are often frustrated with, with, with family members like that, because that, you know, and I tell families, it doesn't matter how much, how much you talk to them. It doesn't matter how much, how many times you get them to look in the mirror. They're not going to just automatically see what you see. You know, we, we have to understand what, what's, what's behind that fear. And that, and that's really where that begins. I think is, is we, is we're, we're finding out, okay, what is, you know, because sometimes those fears are almost, well, not almost they're, they're symbolic. It's like their, their fear of, of their, you know, and obviously vaporizing is a, is a pretty easy one to make that translation, but, but a lot of, a lot of pretty pedestrian fears can be tracked down to really fears of annihilation. You know, I'm, a, you know, in my, in the book, I use a, a cognitive process of, I call going down the ladder. It's like, I'm afraid, you know, I'm afraid I'm, I'm afraid that I'm going to be in trouble at my job. Okay. Rather than reassure somebody at that moment, it's about when you put reassurance in, you, you, you take them down the ladder. Okay. Well, if you lose, if you lose your job, what, I mean, if you, if you do badly at your job, what happens? Well, I'll lose my job. Okay. Rather than argue that point, say, if you lose your job, what happens? Well, my wife is upset with me uh, and she will leave me. Okay. If your wife is upset with you and leaves you, then what happened? I'm all alone and, you know, and I mm -hmm, don't have a job mm -hmm. and I'm on the street and, you know, and uh, okay. And so you, at that point, you, you, anybody's going to be tempted to try to, to reassure and kind of correct, correct some things. But I go ahead and stay a little longer if I can and just say, okay, so if you're all alone on the street, don't have a job, your wife has left you, you know, what happens? And, and I'm thinking of a particular example where, where somebody, I don't know if it was, this was exactly the way they got to it, but they got to this part where they said, then, then I have wasted my life. And see, it's, it's it, because sometimes what you look, I look for, sometimes people will go, I will, you know, it'll get down with just a few rungs down the ladder and I'm, and I'll be, I'll die, you know? And so that, you know, we think, okay, well, wow, that's a, that's the wonder you're so afraid because you have that connection. But more often than not, I think it comes up to wasted life. It comes to the, one of our biggest fears is the lack of purpose and lack of meaning. And, the, and it's funny how, how without ever even thinking about it, just tracking that down will take us to that place that, so here's a person who messed up something at their job. And, and so we were thinking, so we're sitting there talking to the person and say, well, that's an, they're, they're, they sure seem to be overreacting to this situation because it doesn't, it seems like a, you know, a resolvable problem. But if you go through the process of going down the ladder, you realize unconsciously that, and that's what you're doing is you're helping that person see that unconsciously their fear of having messed up at the job is the fear of having no purpose and having wasted a life. And it's like that. And that I call, I have a name for that. I call, I call that the illusion of overreaction. It's like mm -hmm. on the, on the surface, when you just have the, the content of the present tense, it, it looks completely like an overreaction. If you go inside and look and see what the person is actually responding to, it's like, you go, Oh, no, what the react. And, and that's one of the things I'd love to help people be able to see in dealing with their fear is you make perfect sense. If when you're, when you think about your weight, your life being wasted, of course you have that huge response. Yeah. It's yeah. Terrifying. I mean, I, I mean um, the emotional sobriety uh, project, uh, in regards to this dealing with fear, it's, you know, number one, physical sobriety helps because you have the full tool set. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then, and then it's, uh, identify which, which of these parts of yourselves are in conversation with each other, how, mm -hmm. and, and then parsing that. So you can mm -hmm. really kind of get it like the truth 
beneath everything. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, some of these uh, second or third order fears, they're kind of like holograms. You know? Carol Carter, Carter can tell you about this because she's, she's actually helped me with this quite a bit through the, through the time I've known her is that, that I, I have this recurring uh, fear of my own, which is, which is that what I teach about intrapersonal process is is um, just ridiculously simple and, and offensively simple. It's like, and I think, that, you know, so there's a little guy in my head that just goes like, you know, everybody knows this. You're, you're, you're making too big a deal of this thing. But what Carol has helped me see and what I continue to work with and see is that, no, everybody doesn't know this. And, and even though you have the concept, the practice of it is, is, is there's, it's, it's knowing it's one thing, doing it is another thing. Um, so, so the, I mean, but I am reminded regularly, like re, re, this, this week I had a client in my office who's got a, an in, internal voice, uh, that, that, uh, he had, we've tried many different names, but he's landed on the name dipshit, which I think is huh. a great, great, a great name. I like uh, it. It's like, it's like <laughs> yeah. and, and this guy is, 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 is really just, he's just a sab- sabotaging everything and sabotaging relationship stuff in particular. He, he, you know, he just, he just throws out anything he can just to scare the, the crap out of this guy. And so we're working on just making that separation. And, uh, so, and so this little simple example is, is so I'm sitting in the office and, you know, I'm saying, you're still, you're still not seeing the difference between you and dipshit. And, you know, and so he, he said, okay, well, help me do that. And I have, he's sitting there and I have a, there's a, there's a little stool over to, uh, kind of partly in front of him. Uh, uh, and I, I look up on my book, my shelf of, you know, I've been in this office for 30 something years and, and all kinds of stuff up there. And I see a little figurine of, of Alfred E. Newman of Mad yeah, Magazine, Mad Magazine, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So I just take that little guy. He's just, you know, he's probably, he's probably about six inches tall. And I just put, stand him on the, in that stool and go like, okay, you dipshit. Okay. That, this is dipshit over here. And it's like, just that, just spending the rest of the time, you know, with, we, we didn't necessarily even refer to him. We didn't do any big time gestalt process or anything like that, but just making a distinction in the three dimensional world of that, that, that room began to make a difference for him. And we'll see how that goes because I think it's going to, but it's like, I, uh, um, you know, on, on his way out the door, I said, I mean, do you want to take dipshit with you? And, and, you know, and, and I mean, but I mean, you, you would have, if you just saw that scene, you would, and you would, it would be weird because, because his, his recoiling was so obvious. It was like, you know, <laughs> not, <laughs> you know, it's a little figurine. Man, yeah, it's like, it's like Chucky. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like it's like uh it, you know he goes no leave him here and i go okay well if, as long as you understand that that we can leave we can leave this here symbolically but know that he's coming with you you know because because i want people i want people the most important thing we, we want to do about dealing with fear is understand we're going to be realistic about this we don't get rid of fear we change our relationship with fear uh we don't get rid of any of these things we change our relationship and ultimately, this, the shortcut to, you know, you were talking about how we, we learn this stuff about our intrapersonal, who, who's talking to whom and all this other stuff. And, and there's a lot of that. But ultimately, the shortcut to me is simply me, not me. It's like what we're ultimately yeah. identifying all of these different voices for. And, you know, and I remind people regularly, it's like when they start to, some people will get a little bit more nervous and they think, oh, I feel crazy because now we're talking about voices in my head. I go, you know, they're not voices. And this is a metaphor. And the good news about metaphor is we can change it in any way that works for you. Um, but most importantly, what we're doing is we're defining the we're making a distinction a, 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 to go back to the emotional sobriety terminology a differentiation between who i am and what my thoughts are okay now it works be- it works well for me to, to to personify them into little characters and do it that way and it seems to work a lot for for a lot of people to be able to do that um and so, so, so we do that unless that turns out not to be a very helpful thing for somebody. So, but the, but the idea is all of those characters are identified for one primary reason is to figure out who I am not so that I can then focus on who I am and who I am is very simply the person who 
chooses who's in you know i've you know you hear me say this all the time i may not be in control of much but i'm in charge of my life and it's like i'm in charge of the decisions so i can have any number of thoughts and i will have multiple thoughts the more important the issue the more thoughts i may have about it and some of them may be disagreeing with each other but ultimately Tom is the person who makes the choices. Patrick is the person who makes the choices. And that's what, and again, that's one of those nutshell definitions of emotional sobriety. It's like, no, you're in charge. You're not blaming somebody else. You're not. Um, and I love watching your cat play in the background. Oh, by the way, by the way she, she, he is like a little pinball. I just have to say that out loud because I know them being distracted by it. Uh, but, but oh, yeah, I love the bad pieces. Way. <laughs> yeah 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 he's sweet it's um, um eckhart toll right it's uh you are not the voice in your head you're the one listening to the voice you're that, that's kept, right. that blew my mind when i read it yeah yeah it's that simple it's like like the the idea is it's like who are you it's, it's like i'm the one i'm the one you know i'm the one listening i'm the one hearing i'm but i also am the one responding and see so, and to me, to me and i think i you know, I mean, I don't know that anybody has a corner on this market, but but the, but the, I mean, when I, I, I enjoy reading uh, uh, the philosophy of Stoicism, and and I always say the Sto Stoics have like what I think of is is probably the the, the briefest um, serenity prayer, which is the only thing I control is me, and but there's a, there's a, there's a little piece in there that is, that I have, uh, I don't think I, I don't think it's brand new to me, but, but I really have strengthened it through the process of a, a pursuit of emotional sobriety. And that is the, we, we, it's easier to know that I understand that it's my choice, how I choose to re respond outwardly about interpersonally, but the other piece about this, and this, I get a lot from, you know, I, I read this and I, I feel this when I'm reading the stoicism, but I also get it. I could read an Alan Berger book and get, get this as well. It's, it's like, it's, is the idea of, is I also have choice about how I interpret the world and see, that's the part that, that I think that we end up focusing on. Well, I know we do in emotional sobriety. It's like, it's, it's, you know, because we too often just accept our interpretation, but our interpretation is contaminated by these other voices that are not necessarily our best self. Does that make sense? I, it does. And, um, you know, uh, I need to always bring the spotlight back onto myself when I give other people advice or when I'm, you know, uh, mm -hmm. uh talking with other people sure. through their problems, because, um, I think that we all have the tendency or I'll just speak for myself. I have the tendency to, to have like a, we'll just get over it. Or, you know, <laughs> yeah, if you just yeah. thought about it this way, it's like you were saying in your conversations mm -hmm. with uh, your wife, is that mm -hmm. like, if you just thought about it the way that I thought about it, then you'd be able, able to overcome this problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I, uh, this idea of um, not thinking my way to right, right action, but acting my way to right thinking. Yes. I, it's only very recently, very, very recently, like the last couple of years that I've been able to, ring anything out of that i've mm -hmm. i've i've known about i've known about having a daily practice for a while mm -hmm. but it took mm -hmm. me a long ass time to finally like you know uh get to, to get myself into a state where mm -hmm. i'm actually like doing the deal and now i'm doing the deal but i mean i think i you know uh because i'm i'm talking to some people in early recovery and trying to help them with things and you know um it uh it is just like a long process. It can be a long process of like clean, clearing those cobwebs and kind of like m m uh, mind over matter, I guess. Or, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, the other thing is about practice is that, you know, what I would say, uh, you know, is, is that, you know, what happens with our, with our awareness of practices is, is I think our, our understanding of that, um, our knowing of that uh, deepens. It's like, first of all, because, because if you're, if, if you, when you first got clean and sober, I mean, you only got clean and sober through practice. That's it. It's like, you can't, you know, it's, it's like, whether you, whether you understood, you know, conceptually understood that the importance of that part of that or not, the only way it happens. And, and that's one of the things that we keep coming back to in, in our podcast is that, you know, if you, if you don't translate these things into practice, then nothing happens. The con a, good, a good concept is, is that at, at least useless without practice 
and, and can be dangerous in my opinion, because what happens, I've realized in my own history, because, because I can be, you know, uh, it's almost like this is a downside to people who are relatively smart. You go, oh man, I love that idea. And I'm going to think about that idea. And we, we actually think that idea is going to make us better but the idea doesn't make us better. And so we can, we actually, with a really, really sharp concept, if we don't understand the need, the need, the, the absolute necessity for practice, then what, what's going to happen is we're going to be overconfident. We're going to, th- we're going to think we have something that we don't. It'd be like me watching, you know, somebody play, play the guitar and I see, and I, ah, I see, I see how to do that now. You know, and then I go around claiming that I know how to play the guitar. It's like, <laughs> no, you know, I have a cousin who uh, just relapsed or recently and um, and he's been through the whole battery of like just multiple rehabs and sober livings. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's uh, he's uh, has a marriage that survived through these multiple recoveries and whatnot and super brilliant guy, you know, just very mm-hmm. uh, vivacious and, you know, just uh, all, all the good qualities you can imagine. But it's it's just a demon, you know, this, like, uh, 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 this, uh, false, um, sense of control (laughs) over this thing. That's just, uh, uncontrollable. Um, and, uh, yeah, to your point, I guess that like, um, you know, a lot of theories, you know, without a practice, uh, it all kind of falls apart. You know, it's, it's a practice. I, I have a, I have a friend right now who's, um, 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 uh, planning to go after we finish here and planning to go visit in the hospital, uh, who the last I heard is, is, is not likely to, to get out of the hospital this time. And it's, and it's, it's, uh, rec- you know, uh, recurrent, uh, years and years and years of, of, of back and forth recovery and, uh, recurrent relapse, you know, it's, um, it's, you know, and it's, and it's, um, uh, it's extreme, it's very sad, very devastating and eye opening to realize and and it's exactly what you said it's like it's it's like you know we you know well to use the program terminology the reason we have to be willing to go to to any links to recover is because the disease doesn't even question that the disease is willing to go to every length to destroy us today today what what's your explanation for uh how how these wonderful people uh how, how the disease is able to get the better of them after so much you know i mean they've they've, they've got the uh, a universe of information and negative examples at their fingertips and uh it just eludes them you know i mean all i have for that patrick is 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 the just a deep you know and i don't mean this when we, we we use the word respect in different ways if i say i have a deep respect for for you or i have a deep respect for nelson mandala that, that has to do with agreement and appreciation of what you what you espouse but but another way of thinking about respect is just just full full understanding of the of somebody of what is the power of this and i just have a deep respect for um the power of these of these demons of these diseases it's like uh I mean, what I, what I believe absolutely, I've come to believe over time is that, that whatever version of that it is, whether that be an addiction or an eating disorder or my self-hatred or, you know, whatever that is, it's, it's like, um, the best to use the metaphor that we use of separation to the, all of them are smarter than, than we are. All of my diseases, all of my demons there. And I don't know, I, I'm not here to prove to, to, I'm not a science, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a researcher. I'm not here to prove something. What I'm here to say is, is what I believe is that if I do not have the humility to say that all of those guys are, are smarter than I am. And one-on-one with me, they will outsmart me every fucking time. I don't know. I don't know how long it would be, but it's, it's like, I've been sober for 36 years. It's like, I believe that the, 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 a big part of that, a giant part of that is because I live in a now in a, you know, but basically there's, there's no longer a separation between, you know, here's my life and here's my recovery because my life is, is my recovery support system is, is populated. It is my life. It's like, it's the people I know. It's like, it doesn't mean I'm talking to everybody about recovery all the time, but what it means is I am surrounded by, by, by uh, recovery. Um, and, and the idea, and, and, and I've just known people who have to do more 
they're just different. They, they're up against a challenge where they seem to have to do more on a practical day that day-to-day basis to maintain that recovery than I do. It's like, I'm again, comparing, I'll, I'll go, I'll be grateful. I'm like, that's, I'm glad, but I also need to be able to say, if, if, if that were to become the case for me, am I willing to do whatever it takes to do that? Would I be willing to up? Because that's all I know is, is that I, I still believe the things we believe, which is if you do these things, then you can survive. I, you know, I don't believe people are just not going to, you know, there are people who are not just not able to, to make it. But what I do believe I'm not suggesting, and, and this is where we can judge people like that is like, like, you know, because we use ourselves as the standard of measure. Well, I don't understand why that person didn't do so and so and so and so. Well, that's just me putting myself in their place and saying, I think I could have done it better. It's like, I don't know if I could or not. I just, I can think I would, would have been able to do it better. Uh, but I still believe, you know, that the idea is if, if you do, if, if you do these things and they're not enough, our philosophy, our belief, the practice of this is then you have to do more if you want to recover. And, uh, and I can, and I, well, all I can offer somebody there is to support them to do more. Um, and, um, and some people, I don't even think it's not a conscious thing. They're not willing. It's just like, it's just, I mean, my humility says, I don't know what it's like to be up against something that powerful. You know, I, I know what it's like to be up against mine. And I know that it was going to overpower me and would overpower me if I didn't have the support that I have. But it, as far as I can tell, what my friend in the hospital is up against and what your friend who's re- relapsed is up against is not something that, that I actually know you know? And so it's, uh, uh, I, you know, I really work hard to not have that, to let go of any part of me that's judging that and just saying, but I, but I hold fast to the idea that I still believe through practice, there's a way. Well, uh, 36 years out, you're still very in touch with, uh, and you have a healthy respect for what we're up against, you know? Gee, no uh, kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, um, well, my heart goes out to, you know, your friend, um, you're seeing him later today. I hope so. Yeah. That's my plan. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, uh, um, I don't know if I'll, if I'll see my cousin anytime soon. Uh, he lives in, um, I think he lives in Texas. I'm not sure which part of Texas currently, but, um, last time I saw him, uh, it, it was my first year of recovery and we went to a meeting and, um, mm. you know, um, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, scary though. I mean, you know, it's, yeah. uh, when I, when I, when I talk to somebody else who's still struggling, um, the, the memories come right back, you know? Oh so, yeah. It's, um, it's, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure I'm traumatized of still on some level. Yeah. Well, and I think, and I think that the whole point, if we look at, if we look at, uh, so though, and though we can, we can plug that into what we're talking about today with, with that, that does it, it, it's, it's, that's a scary experience that, that plugs into our fears. And, and, but with emotional sobriety, we want to practice that, uh, you know, the thing that Alan and I always call, you know, uh, 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 positive opportunism and say, okay, well, those are, those are opportunities for me to, to, you know, you know, uh, refurbish anything that seems like it's worn down a little bit or, or strengthen something that we, that we need, you know, cause there's, I mean, all, all of those, all of those lines in, in Alcoholics Anonymous that are so cliche that people sometimes will roll their eyes at, you know, one of the things I say is, you know, they're cliche because they've been repeated so much because they're wisdom and, you know, they're before the grace of God go I is one of them. Yeah. It's like, it's like, you know, I don't know what circumstances, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm sitting there I'm, I'm in, you know, in my, my, my little conference room in there, you know, you, you know, you ask you asked me what, you know, what I had to offer 36 years into this and, you know, got, I always have, a, I always have a, a, you know, even when it's not about beating the crap out of myself, I always have a little cr- cr- critiquing guy in there going like, like, you know, well, I'm not sure what you said had anything to do with any wisdom. It's like, go, I'm going like, nah, I don't know that it's wisdom either. I, I think it's just respect for the fact that uh, there's so much we don't know. And I think one of the things I'm getting in touch with in this conversation is how important it is that I respect the fact that I, that I can know a lot. I can know a lot about your addiction by knowing about my addiction, but I can't know what it's like to be you and your addiction, mm-hmm. you know, and the same with your cousin or with my friend. It's like, we don't know. I mean, so if there's, if, if, if that's, I think, I think say, saying, you know, humility, humility is as close as I can get to wisdom on that one, I think. 
Can I tell you about a uh, experience with fear I had recently in regards mm-hmm. to the show? I was very afraid about a business meeting that you, me, and Alan had a few weeks ago, uh, where mm-hmm. I had to present the numbers for you know our listener count and kind of mm-hmm. like how we were doing on our social media. And mm-hmm. um, I just had this uh, this pressure to Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, just like deliver a kick-ass you know business. Uh, speech to you guys. Um, and I just, you know, and I feel so inadequate to that task, but like, I care a lot about the show. I want to be sure we're always growing and I want you guys to feel, uh, you know, reassured about mm-hmm. the, the, the trend of, you know, how this, uh, how this thing is evolving. But, uh, I was able to assuage that. I don't know if that's the right word, but I was able to feel better about, um, our meeting by just taking some time uh, on a Saturday and just uh, going over all the graphs and the notes that I'd taken over the preceding months. I wasn't able to arrive at the meeting with like, to use the uh, example again, Alec Baldwin and Glenn Gary, Glenn Mm -hmm. Ross confidence. But I did um, through preparation, through just taking the time to just look at everything. I was able to, I guess, just to, to do the thing with you guys. And, and of course, I mean, I always forget until right when we're doing it that I'm, you know, you and Alan are like the most uh, collaborative, uh, you know, encouraging, motivating mm-hmm. guys to work with possible. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like I was going into the the lion's den yeah. <laughs> with this, uh, the, this presentation to give, but I was very scared about it and I did feel very inadequate mm-hmm. to the test. So maybe that's just my long winded way of saying um, preparation. Uh, yeah. You well, know, it, it's actually a great it's a great example of 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 doing the work with, you know, you don't have to be doing it in this the language I would use. But it's like that what we were saying about differentiating between the, the healthy fear and the and the neurotic fear. It's like you were you, 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 you basically mined out the healthy fear, which is the fear you could do something with. You know, and that's that's you know, that's what we're always talking about is what, what can I you know, what, what what can I actually change here? And you say, well, I can I can do I can do this work to prepare. It's like, and I, you know, and I, I would imagine, and maybe you can, but I know that there are people listening who could identify where I have a long history of avoiding preparation because it increases fear, you know, which of course is very illogical. Uh, and, 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 you know, but it's, but it's like, I promise you, it's like, I, I you know, I, I have done it, can do it. So we'll do it in the, in the future. It's like, it's like, Oh, that's, that's not the good way to do it. Well, you, that's somebody who's not taking advantage of the actual information. And you, you know, and basically what you're doing is you're, you, you know, you're, you're practicing the serenity prayer. I'm going to change the things I can change. I can get, I, I can get, I can get more, you know, tuned into this material and come into that kind of thing. But what I can't, what I can't change is what I can't change. And, and we'll have to go from there. It's um, so, yeah, I think that's a great example. The, the other thing is, it's like, you know, you also remind me too, that, 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 you know, six, six, you know, one success becomes the next problem. Well, you know, one, one, one solution becomes the next problem. And it's like, I mean, how many, I mean, I don't know how many times in my career that through the years where, that, you know, you, when I was working, especially working with other agencies and working for other people, it's like, like that I would get to a place where I'm now in a position in which I am challenged to do something that I really never set out to do in the first place. You know, it's, it's like, you know, like if you get if in the business of, uh, of, of people helping, if you're going to get, if you're in an agency and you're going to get promoted, you're going to become a manager. It's like, you know, I never set out to be a manager of people. I, you know, I, I'm a clinician. I can do, I, you know, I can write things. I can do that solitary thing of writing and I can work with, with, with clients, but um, you know, but you, what you see is people get in. And I think the, the producer job here is similar to that, where all of a sudden, you know, it's easy to make the assumption that a producer is a, is a marketer. It's like, I don't make that assumption. It's like, you know, I love, you know, you're, you're, to me, you're a wonderful producer. You keep, you, you, you keep me honest. You keep, you know, you, you, you keep me aware of what it is we're doing. Uh, you, you, you track, you know, where we're supposed to be when, and, and during the session, I mean, if we, if we listen to, to some of our, uh, uh, programs back together, I, I could point out again and again, times where I thought, you know, sometimes you made simple comments that said, Patrick, there you go again, bringing us back to task. It's like, you're, you're keeping us on track. I mean, you're doing all of that stuff and not to mention the, the bigger piece of that, which is produce, which is the big piece of producing, which is all the technical work that you do. It's like that, 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 um, 
that I, that I don't know about and don't really want to know about, you know, uh, and Alan sometimes doesn't know about, even though he does want to know about, uh, or at least that's my perception. So, uh, but, but, uh, yeah. And, and the marketing thing, you know, and I think that, and by the way, I think that also falls on that falls in the category for, for both Alan and I too. It's like, we're, you know, we have this, we have this podcast and we need, we need to spread the word. We need to, to market it to people. So, so by the way, this is a commercial to anybody listening, please tell everybody to listen to our podcast. Oh, yeah, because It'll make us all feel better. Uh, and uh, you know, and, and, and while, while you're at it, just, you know, please go buy our books and all this other stuff. But, uh, but you know, that's not how we think generally. You know, I'm not, you know, I don't, I, I mean, I can't, I always forget to market my own. I always forget to do even a commercial for my own books <laughs> when I do a speaking engagement. It's well, like uh, strength, strength in numbers. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, it's, uh, but and by the way, in that meeting, I thought you did a great job uh, putting that stuff out there. So. Oh, thank you. You know, and, and uh, it's funny what you say about preparation and about how that makes you anxious for me. It helps mm -hmm. to sand off the anxiousness. Um, mm -hmm. One of my favorite uh, recovery people, Mark Marin, is similar. Uh, he's a stand-up comedian, and mm -hmm. uh, he uh, he's very anti-preparation. Mm -hmm. And um, but just hearing that makes me smile because it it tells me that everybody has their own particular program uh, mm -hmm. that allows them to get through the uh, to get through the web and. Um, yep. And there's no right way or wrong way. There's just the way that works. And mm -hmm. that's different for every person. But uh, yeah, I guess, but I suppose there is, you know, there's a common thread maybe that runs through all. Well, it's, it's do, 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 well, I mean, it's, this is where it gets just, just offensively simple and corny. It's like, you, you know, we all do our best with what we have. Uh, we learn from each other. Uh, you know, it's, it's like, you know, you, you make the comment, you know, so I don't know if I don't know if this will happen or not, but one possibility is because I definitely registered that pre preparation helps you relieve alleviate some of your anxiety. I'm going like I'm I'm going. I could consider that possibility. You know, it's like you know maybe maybe that would be useful to me. We 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 you know we 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 not just we don't just learn things just didactically from other people. We also just are influenced by being around other people and how how they do these things and. And then, but, the, but the biggest common denominator is, and then get your ass back to the present moment, you know, back to the Eckhart Tolle now and, you know, and enjoy yourself. It was so uh, much fun to see you and Alan work uh, at the Harmony Hollow mm -hmm. workshop recently, mm -hmm. um, because I got to, I got to see you prepare. You were working on your PowerPoint a little bit before um, and uh, less so with Alan, but um you took to it like a duck to water, you know, mm -hmm. and as soon as like, you know, Alan came out there and the styles couldn't be more different. Right. Mm -hmm. But like, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, uh, as soon as you, uh, you, you, cause Alan went first and then you had your section mm -hmm. and, uh, and the crowd just like opened up right away. They were, they were mm -hmm. digging it. And, uh, mm -hmm. but it was just funny because it's like, uh, I don't know. Would you say that you're uh, operating on impulse a lot when you're up there? Mm -hmm. Just, yeah. Just, it, yeah. It's, it's, there's a lot of, there's a, the preparation for me uh, is that a lot of, a lot of what I say, you know, in a, in a presentation, I probably said before in similar ways or even exactly the same way. It's just, it's a, I always say it's a little bit like a, uh, I live in Nashville, so I'm kind of influenced by that model. It's like, it's like a musician who's going to play. Yeah. I just don't know what's what order I'm going to play these songs you know but but they're but they're most of them are very familiar to me and yeah. uh and some of them we're going to do a little sc scatting and, and kind of <laughs> jazz it up and make them up as we go along but it's like um yeah it's yeah what you, what you saw is a good it was fun for me because getting back to, to doing that after be, being off the road not doing a uh, in-person workshop for so many years it's like it was it was very good it was very good to me to to realize i could step back into that place and and my 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 flow was was still there it's uh you know and and, and that's i love i love doing that and it's like um um I had, I had a guy I worked with, with, with Pessy healthcare. I did workshops with them for a long time. And, and one of the, one of the, one of the nicest compliments, I don't think he meant it as a compliment necessarily, but one of the nicest compliments I got is because they're, it's a very content heavy kind of uh, company with, with their training programs for the most part. But, but my, my stuff is very process oriented. And one of the things where I was going to have to cancel because of uh, illness in the family at one point. Uh, and he said, well, the, 
he said, ordinarily, we just have somebody come in and substitute for somebody when they can't do that. He said, we can't do that for you. And I said, well, why can't you do that? And he said, because I had my manual is I had I actually, you know, had a manual for my workshop and stuff. Uh, he said, he said, I've seen you work. He said, you do seven hours of stand up. He said, <laughs> he's, he's, he said, I don't I wouldn't put anybody in that place to have to try to do that. You know, and I thought, like I said, I don't know if it was, I think he was telling me a little bit of a problem that he had, but I, I, I took it on as like, well, that's nice because it is, it is, you know, it, it, it's, it's going to be what, what it is uh, um, intuitive, I guess, as, as a word I would use. I've got a good question for you, or I think mm -hmm. it's good. Um, mm -hmm. Does your job ever scare you still? Did it ever? I mean, because I'm, my oh, yeah. job, oh, it used to scares scare me every time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, public speaking. Was the was the well? I mean, no. I can remember when I first got out of graduate school uh, and started seeing clients. You know, as a credential therapist, it's like, um, no. I remember talking about it. That's where the the should monster was still, you know, strong and and working with me always, constantly telling me. You know, he his his favorite rhetorical question was, "What makes you think you could do this work?" So you know, I I live with that guy breathing down my neck. But when it came to public speaking, in particular. I all, you know, I was, you know, I was, you know, I was a magician for years from childhood on, but, but in my young, uh, late adolescence and early adulthood, I, I actually did perform, you know, professionally some for, for, uh, as a magician. And so entertaining was a part of, of what I, I did pretty naturally too, but I wanted to be a speaker and it's like, and I would want to get those gigs, but when I would get them, I would, I would literally make myself sick before every time I would, I would be throw, I would literally throw up before I would, I would go on for any of these things because in, in the, in my thinking would be, why am I doing this? This is horrible. I'm this, I don't want to do this. Um, so one of the things I did, and maybe somebody can make use of this, I finally, you know, I finally made a deal with myself. I, I looked, I had this little, little sit down conversation in which I recognized that all of the feedback I'd ever gotten from being a, a public speaker was positive. And I could, you know, I'm not saying there wasn't anybody ever didn't like something I said or didn't like, but it was very rare, if at all. It's uh, one, of, one of my favorite criticisms on an evaluation one time was um, he doesn't, he's not as funny as he thinks he is. And I thought, <laughs> I remember sitting there with the sponsor, we were looking through the, the things, the sponsor of the workshop. And I, and I, and I, I said, yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm exactly as funny as I think I am. <laughs> that person just didn't think I was funny. But uh, but I finally got to the point where I I had this this one of my first experiences with that little tough, loving recovery voice. I think uh, I didn't name it that then, but I have since that basically made a deal, said, said, OK, here's Tom. You can go back to feeling nervous and scared. Well, you're making me a little nervous, but scared of public speaking you know, when you start to get some indication of any kind of pattern, even a slight pattern of negative feedback you get from doing this, but until, but as long as you continue to get positive feedback, you don't get to do this is what he said. It's like, it's, you know, it's, it's like, it's ridiculous. You do not, you know, it, you do not get to, to sit here and, and, and be afraid that you're getting ready to, to, you know, make a total fool of yourself. And cause it was, it wasn't like, I'm afraid I'm a little off. It was, you know, it was the straight A student that, that was afraid of failing, you know, and it's like, have you ever failed? No, haven't. And so I, all these years later, I still do that. I, and I get nervous. I get scared sometimes, but then I remind myself, it's like, no, and, you know, if I start to get bad, bad reviews, bad feedback and stuff like that, then, you know, what I tell myself is to relieve my anxiety is then you can quit. You don't have to do it anymore. It's like, um, you know, or you can deal with it, but it's, it's like, I really do. And the takeaway for that, for, for anybody listening is, is, do yourself a favor and look at the facts. Look at look at what's real. It's it's like you know it's it's like sure if you and if you get if you get a little criticism, do you respond to the criticism? Good. And then 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 are you better for that? It's like you know I've certainly you know I'm not saying I'm without anybody critiquing or giving me ideas or thoughts or what I could do better. And it's like one of the things I've gotten really good at. And and and, and well, you get this as a writer. As a writer, you know, uh, editing is a wonderful process. 
it's like it's it's like boy the sooner you can get over being a prima donna as a writer and just really work, work with a good editor it's amazing how another person another perspective can can make something you're working on so much better right you know? and i think i think it's fair to say you know most people would agree rewriting is easier than writing you know? mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's easy oh, yeah. to, it's easier to have that piece of clay you know than to mm -hmm. uh I don't know, whatever, dig that clay out of the ground. I don't yeah, know just, to, well, just well, just to create it from the, from, you know, it's just, you know, just, um, but of course, no, that's, that's another, that's, a, that's something we might want to have that conversation sometimes too, because sometimes that that's the easiest part because what we're doing is we're just taking dictation. Yeah. We're just, you know, we're just, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. the, whole, the, uh, the, the one of the things I, I will do this some other time, maybe, but it's like in the embracing fear, the, the seed to, to this whole embracing fear book, was I was uh, I was uh, twenty something years out of of, of college. I, I after I wrote the self forgiveness handbook, I had been invited back to my college to give a lecture on it, and so um, I I had not been I had not been back there in a long time, and I was walking across the campus the night before I was going to do this, and it's um, it's you know you know I, I try to explain it as best I can in the book, but it's like you know it's. All I know is that the piece that came to me at that time was not me, or it was not a part of me that was a part of my conscious self. It was a, it was a lecture. It became the seed, like I said, the seed of embracing fear about, and it's, it's just called, um, um, well, here, I'm just going to, it's real short. I'm going to read it. Yeah. Whatever or whoever the, the source of the voice, it's more like receiving complete packages of thoughts than it is like actually hearing a voice. It's not a very auditory experience. This is definitely, uh, it was definitely with me that night as I walked across the campus. It began by saying, Tom, you are still scared. Fear uh, has too much power in your life. And then it said this, and this is the little piece, pay close attention, listen carefully. Let's look at what happens when fear is in charge. When fear is in charge, you can never fully relax, let your guard down, be your true self. You cannot open up because you are afraid of how people will respond if they were to meet the real you. When fear is in charge, you simply cannot take that chance. Fear will not allow honesty. Fear despises spontaneity and fear refuses to believe in you. Fear may mean well, but it ruins everything by overprotecting you, insisting that you stay hidden and keep a low profile, promising that your time is coming sometime later. Fear is bold, but insists that you be timid. Take a chance and there will be hell to pay. Fear will call on its dear friend's shame to meet you on the other side of your risk-taking, to tell you that you should not have done that. Fear will trip you, tackle you, smother you, do whatever it takes to cause you to hesitate to stop you. In this way, fear is fearless. Fear will remain in charge for as long as you let it. It will never volunteer to step down to relinquish its authority. Your assignment is to live a life that is not ruled by fear. To do this, you must be able to identify at any given time exactly what the fear is telling you, or rather threatening you with, and to disobey its instructions. Every morning when you awake, make a conscious decision to remain in charge of your own life. Fear cannot occupy the space in which you stand. I like to repeat that one. Fear cannot occupy the space in which you stand. Fear cannot force you out of that position of authority, but it can, if you let it, scare you away. That is so beautiful, Tom. It's and it's like I just wrote that, scribbled that down back in my hotel room as fast as I could because I because I all I know is I didn't write that. It's like and I <laughs> and, and 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 later, uh, long before I you know. Uh, um, when I, when I had an agent who was interested in, 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 in picking, picking me up uh, as a client, uh, that's, that's what we started with. And we ended up turning it into a book. So it's well, good. I, man, I just love to hear the, about that, that kind of like, it's something you knew so innately that you, it was almost unconscious the way that it, oh, it was out. just, yeah. yeah I, like I say, you know, back, yeah, back in my younger days, I would have, I would have, 
Well, that's an interesting thing too. I would have to, I would have to be able to explain it to myself in order to be okay. It's like, now I can, I got this rug. I go like, I don't know where it came from. You know, mm -hmm. did it come from, you know, a spirit guide that, you know, did, did, did God write me a letter directly? You know, did it come from a deep unconscious part? I, I, don't, I don't know. I just know that it arrived all in, all in a, and you probably get that. You get the, the whole package. You know, it's like, it's not, it isn't like somebody's giving you dictation and you're writing it down. It's like, you know, it's just knowing. And I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take it when I can get it. It's a powerful experience. Well, uh, this was a wonderful episode. Um, we will see our beloved audience next week. Okay. And, uh, and Alan may come back around sometime. Yeah, he'll pop up. Uh, you know, he's, <laughs> he's always with us. I know. Oh, no. I don't know about that. Oh, that's, that, that, seems, that seems creepy. Okay. All right. Take care, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Tinge your life. Tinge your myth. Cultivate your narrative with whomever you're with. Then with glass in hand and children on one knee. Bring some stories. Bring your stories back to me. It ain't a crime to be a human Never be ashamed to be yourself Rest assured that whatever you're doing Will entertain me like nobody else So here's to us, my old friends Until it's time to drink the wine and break the bread again With glass in hand and children Bring some stories, bring your stories back to me.